Welcome to Plans Are Booked, a podcast for every reader. I'm Molly Geller. I'm Stephanie Blackburn. And I'm Caitlin Madison. So welcome to chapter 15. Not only do we have 15 episodes in the books that all of you have been kind enough to listen to, but we also just surpassed 1500 plays on apple which we feel like is a really big milestone and we're excited about so thanks for tuning in and sharing and being on this book journey with us um we are excited to talk about a lot of different things we have a lot of different topics today to cover um and when we were kind of getting ready to come over to steph's to chat like we are all excited about different things that we're talking about today as well, which I think is kind of funny. Like, <laughs> like Molly's really excited to intro the book that we're reading today. And the other two of us were like, mm, okay, yeah, go for it. And then I was like, <laughs> I want to talk about the book I'm reading right now. So we're just like all excited about different things. Um, so I guess we're starting with some Galentine's gifts from Molly is what I'm seeing on my itinerary here for the pod. Correct. I don't know that we've talked about this on the pod before maybe we have about the love languages yes no i don't know that we we have have, but we all know what each other's is (laughs) correct so uh, for those who maybe don't know me personally or we haven't spent time in real life my love language is gifts both giving and receiving that's how i speak to the world and how i wish to be spoken to and galentine's day is coming up and i knew i wanted to do something special for steph and caitlin so i'm gonna pass them two things which they will open now on air. I literally have no idea what this could Steph be. Steph and Molly already opened their Galentines for me, which they got book socks and book stickers. This is exciting. Did the we on get the same thing. sticker? No. No. Oh the on top thing is <gasps> Wait. But like how holy moly, like, this is the best sticker. Did you pick the books? To, like are these custom stickers? How did you know? I picked that one for you because so many of them are your favorites. What are yours? Oh, mine's not books. So you read oh. the book scene on your stickers. The Notebook, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, Twilight, Tim <laughs> <laughs> <Team> Jacobs Forever, <laughs> To All the Boys I've Loved Before, The Fault in Our Stars, which destroyed me, Mansfield Park, Bridgerton, Outlander, Duh, Gone with the Wind. Wow, those are very Stephanie books. <laughs> uh, and I have to say, there was one that caught my attention. Can you flash that to me for a second? There was one that caught my eye. I don't know Mansfield Park. Oh, Fault in Our Stars. Fun fact about Fault in Our Stars, I was killing time before meeting a friend for dinner. Don't ask me who it was. It was 2012. And the Fault in Our Stars had just come out, and I had just read a review of it. And I had never picked up a John Green book in my entire life. I didn't know anything about him. And they had autographed copies at the Harvard bookstore. So I got one and I read it in two days. Just And then I bought every other John Green book that existed because I was like, how did I miss this? Um, just, that's just a, a fun aside. My sticker is incredible because it says, boys and books are better. <laughs> and I will be putting this on my personal computer immediately. And I need everyone to know that I am taking a class with a BU professor tomorrow. And this sticker will be with my Taylor Swift stickers <laughs> on my personal laptop. And you know what? I hope she asks me about it because that's who I am. I'm I'm almost 39 and I don't care. 
I don't give a F. <laughs> and this is a great sticker. I'm so happy you like them. Okay, part I've two. I've started using stickers sometimes as bookmarks too, by the way, just because oh. I know you said you were running out of room on your laptop stuff. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, but do you know how many bookmarks I have? Are we no. allowed? To yes, open? please. Go ahead. Continue. Is next, it the same? I don't want us to like... It is the same. It is the same. This is, a, this is very similar to the last glass that you gave. Yes, I know. Okay, there's a, there's a straw involved. I can't see it. I can't see it. What does it say? They are... Okay, I'm gonna narrate. So Do you this have is one a, as well. I did buy one for myself, oh, so okay. that we're matching. Um, <laughs> these are glass water bottles with a wooden top and a metal straw, all recyclable, reusable, and they say on the front, "Books are my love language." But they're yeah. different colors. Like I got red. What do you mean? Oh, from the, <laughs> when you turn it around, it looks pink. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a ding dong. <laughs> These, these are, are beautiful. beautiful. So, okay, these are very high quality. And <clears throat> I just want you to know that I have one of these with this same kind of lid. And it says Swifty on it with like a definition. One of my coworkers gave it to me. And these are like, you would need to hand wash them. But the actual straw area is like really nice. This and like, you have one too? I got us all matching. And I also thought, because I gave you also the Taylor Swift glass mm -hmm. cups, I thought if you don't want to use that for beverages, you could like put pens in there. You could put bookmarks in there. You don't have to drink from it if you don't want. Have so you like, taken a photograph of this yet? Sure have. Okay. Perfect for coffee. Like the size of it. It's totally. You can't get enough of these because um, since they're hand wash, I'm, I know you do your dishes every day, but I don't necessarily. I'm probably like an every other day kind of person. Unless it's like something that's going to stick. Um, I'm like a rinse, pop it in the dishwasher. But if it has to be hand washed, it usually sits there for a little bit. So it's good to have a lot of these mm -hmm. because I'm not good about cleaning them. Yeah. I also just want to say um, this is from a woman-owned small business. It's called Pippi Post, like Pippi Longstocking. And that's where I found the stickers and the cups. And she has all kinds of amazing Galentine's collection stuff. So I will share it to our Instagram. So if anybody else wants to yeah, make purchases. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. If anyone else wants to make purchases and support her, we will make it easy for you to do that. I'm not over the sticker. <laughs> Great gift. We've got socks. We've got iced coffee cups. We're really ready to take on whatever it is that needs to be taken on. And if you hadn't eaten lunch before, you could have had the soup that I made. What kind of soup was it? I'm kind of sad. Maybe I'll have it at the end. It was a coconut curry vegetable. Oh, stop. I'm definitely having some. <laughs> Molly, out of 10, what'd you give it? 9.5. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. The only I reason I'm not giving like it 12, a 10. And so I was like, and I had soup at 12. And then you were like, I have soup. And I was like, damn it. The only reason I'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 is because I learned last night when she and Marissa ate it, they also had grilled cheese. So since I didn't get to have that part, that's why it gets a 9.5. I feel like that's a weird combo. Oh my gosh, she just snort laughed. I feel like that's a weird combo though because, well, cheese and curry. I guess I've had, I guess I've had paneer in curries, but yeah. usually I do a spicy dish when I'm doing paneer. I mean, it was just dipping the grilled cheese in the soup oh, to I sort see. of get the essence of it, you know? Um, by the way, I just need to give your vegetarianism a shout out because Tessa, who's like our most loyal <laughs> listener, I think, and also I'm pretty sure she's like the first one that hits play, even though she lives in California, go figure. Um, 
she's always the first person to like give me feedback and um she was absolutely dying over molly's vegetarianism story like how you became a vegetarian and um i was like yeah and she was like i just really related to it because i'm also jewish and also a vegetarian and she's like and then steph's a vegetarian and she's into cats and she's like when (laughs) when are we all meeting and i'm like i don't know stop living in california i was gonna say do we need to take the pod to california (laughs) right yeah i'm sure she would love that but she she might need to be like our one of our first guests when we start doing guests sure yeah. Can I just also add that it was a book that made me a vegetarian. It was Jonathan Safran Foer's Eating Animals. I read it and I stopped eating meat, except one time when I was drunk within like six months of that, but that doesn't count. Out of curiosity, <laughs> what did you eat? Now I have to know. A chicken finger? No, it was beef. It was at like my 10-year ten, ten high school reunion or something. I got wasted and was like, well, I'm just going to eat this meat. We've talked about this all in real life. <laughs> But I don't think on the pod that if I ever cross back over, number one item is going to be buffalo chicken, like in every form, buffalo chicken pizza, buffalo chicken dip. That's going to be like, (laughs) that's all I'm going to do if I cross back over. But like at this point, why would you? And also I've heard when people eat meat and they haven't eaten meat in a long time, it makes them get pretty sick. I honestly don't think I ever could just because the texture would gross me out now. You know, like even sometimes certain um, fake meats kind of gross me out a little bit if they're too realistic. We're getting off topic. Anyways. Um, we are, but it's, uh, you know. I, so I, ha- I know somebody who when she was, she's vegetarian and when she was pregnant, she started having dreams about eating hot dogs. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. And then after she had her kids, she was like, why am I depriving myself of this? Like, I'm just going to eat meat. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, you suffered all that time, like wa- like dreaming about hot dogs. And then you were like, eh, whatever. Um, okay. So we saw a movie on Friday. Oh, yeah. That I can't <laughs> stop thinking about. I can't stop thinking. I can't stop reading about it. I can't stop watching interviews. I know a lot of people were like this when they watched Saltburn because there's just mm-hmm. so many, like Molly was like that with Saltburn and everybody was digging into the background and the significance and where was it filmed and all the fun facts. I did that with this movie. It's called All of Us Strangers with Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott and Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. I cried twice. It's beautiful. It's about loneliness. It's about a gay relationship. It's about sons and moms and dads. It's about the afterlife a little bit. It's about loss, loss and regret. grief, regret. Um, it's just really, really new love. It's really, really beautiful. It has a lot of different things going on in it. The performances are stunning. I don't know how it hasn't been sweeping the awards. Like I know Andrew Scott was nominated for a couple of different things, which thank goodness. Um, but after having seen the movie, I'm like, who put out a better performance than this this year? Because I didn't see it if it exists. I feel like Claire Foy deserves something for her performance. She was so good in it. Yeah. And, you know, like some of the, a little bit of the background is Andrew Scott's character lives by himself and he's a writer and he's writing about his parents who passed away when he was a kid. And so he's having all these recurring things happen where he's thinking about his childhood and his relationship with his parents and what it would be like now. And 
it's just really, really stunning. And the fun fact that I wanted to tell you guys about it is I don't, I haven't been able to figure out all of the info on this, but I did find out that the person who adapted it from the book and um, wrote the screenplay and directed it, all of the scenes for Andrew's childhood, Andrew Scott's character's childhood, are in his childhood home. Oof. And so in an interview, Paul Mescal was saying that, like, you know, being able to honor that and, like, being in that space. And I haven't found all the information yet, but I'm pretty sure that the director and the writer, um, I think he had some kind of loss in his family. And that's why it was adapted in this way, because it doesn't follow the book that closely. So um, it's just it, it was really stunning. When we were watching it, I was thinking to myself, whoever wrote and directed this, this was very close to them. There's just no way that you could sort of dial into the nuance of what he did if you had not yourself thought about having those exact same conversations. It was just so personal, even though it wasn't necessarily about his him the writer director's life in such a way that it was like it felt almost like you shouldn't get to see what you got to see it was like that intimate and totally. sensitive and vulnerable and it was just kind of it's an hour and 45 minutes and I felt like the whole time I was kind of holding my breath because it was just so like intense it was beautiful but very very intense this is not people should know this and this won't surprise you that I'm saying this. This is not an uplifting movie in any way. So even though there are moments of love and affection and incredible kindness, it's mostly about loss and processing loss. So if that will trigger you in any way, just wait until you feel in a better place. I think the other thing that's interesting about this is the last movie I saw Paul Mescal in was After Sun. And it was a first time writer director. And the movie was about her relationship with her dad and Paul Mescal played her dad. And um, so I was coming off of that movie, um, having seen him in that. And I was like, wow, he is picking like really interesting projects to work on where he knows the weight of the performance and the art and <laughs> one of Steph's cats is chiming in. Um, he understands like the gravity of what he's doing. And I, I am so intrigued to see what else it is that he picks to do because he's crushing it. Agreed. Any other movie thoughts before we move mm -hmm. on? Okay. So as Caitlin mentioned at the top, I think this is going to be quite an interesting conversation. The book <laughs> that we're talking about this week is glossy by Marissa Meltzer. This is a nonfiction book about the rise of the beauty company Glossier. I was excited to read this for three reasons before I even opened the first page. Number one, Marissa Meltzer is part of like this upper echelon of New York City journalists who write for Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, The New York Times, The Cut, she reminds me actually a lot of Jessica Bressler, whose article from The Cut became the basis for the movie Hustlers. Marissa Meltzer is one of those writers. People in the New York journalism scene really know her. And I like her writing style from the journalist side of things. And this is her fourth book, which I actually didn't know until we started reading this. But 
I was excited for her to take because I like her writing. Two, I represent startup companies at work. So it's interesting for me to hear about how things go from unknown to totally blow up to cult favorite. Like I just, I live that with the companies that I work with. So it's kind of cool to just deep dive in that way. And that's why I became obsessed with the podcast, how I built this. For those who listen to that guy, Roz on NPR interviews, founders of many brands that you know and love to kind of hear the whole journey. So I thought this might be similar. And lastly, and I think most people will relate to this if they're from our age group, the founder of Gossier, Emily Weiss, was an infamous character on the MTV show The Hills when she emerged as the rival intern to Lauren Conrad at Teen Vogue. So for no other reason than that, I wanted to see what happened to her really. I knew that she had founded this company, but I wanted to hear beyond just like what was written about in the tabloids. So interestingly, Marissa interviewed her several times. And then once Emily started to understand the tone of the book, she backed way away and didn't really want to be part of the final round of interviews. So for me, this read almost like a long like gossip magazine article that happened to be about a company instead of a celebrity. I read it super quickly and I felt like just gratified at the end to know like all the real talk about what actually happened. And it also made me sort of like view Emily in a different way than I had from the reality TV fame and the other articles that had been written about her. She's sort of like a villain type character in pop culture now because of what happened with the company. So if you're intrigued by her, I think it's worth a read, but I would like for both of you to share your thoughts because I know they're differing. Can I tell you that I I have been purchasing Glossier products for years and did not know she was the founding creator? <laughs> Clearly didn't do my research. That's the same for me. I had no idea yeah, who had founded you, it when you were getting the book. When you mentioned the book, I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, literally did not know that whatsoever. It's the only reason I cared about the company. <laughs> I, I just no like idea. having good brows. Yeah. Well, I also shout out to Karina Adley McKenzie. She's the mm -hmm. one that got me into it years and years ago because she was raving about, um, I think they have like a vitamin C serum and like the boy brow and a bunch of other things. And it was like mail order only. You couldn't get mm -hmm. it in stores. And that like built some intrigue for me. But yeah, until Molly bought the book, mm -hmm. had no idea that the girl... The yeah. like snooty know-it-all intern from Teen Vogue on the Hills was the girl that started the company. <laughs> and I texted Caitlin and Steph when I started reading. It's actually Stephanie's book. She owns the copy. When I started reading it, the very first page, there's an interview with one of Emily's high school classmates. And she says, in a world of Birkenstocks, Emily Weiss was a Manolo. And I was like, do you really need to know anything else about her personality? Yeah, I mean, she's a Connecticut girl. Can I say that it read to me? almost as if this was like an Im impending doom book. It felt, and w it was so weird because I, I mean, I just ordered more glossy products on Black Friday. So I know the company still exists, but it, there was like this amping up anxiety as you read along that I thought, oh God, the company, it, it was very confusing, <laughs> you know, to think like, it felt like it was going to implode but I know it still exists out there. It definitely has like a takedown vibe the way yeah. that if you read like Bad Blood, the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos book, similarly, where you're like, everything's going really well, but something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I can just feel it. Obviously, what Elizabeth Holmes did is 
way worse. Um, but it does have that, like, everything is going to come crashing down feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so for me, I was sort of the middle where I read it and I loved the writing, but to me it felt like homework because I just wasn't. I think the problem is that as a consumer of the product, the more I read, the more annoyed I was that I'm giving this company money. And I can't quite put my finger on why that is, um, but I think it started off with the reeking privilege of internships because back when I was in college, there was a summer I got a um, an internship at a small publishing company up in Peterborough, New Hampshire that was unpaid. And so I had to work for five days a week and then intern for two days a week. And I didn't have a day off because I couldn't afford not to be making money. But the whole New York internship scene makes me so mad for all the people who cannot afford to work for free. So I think I started off on the wrong foot with this book. <laughs> I didn't finish it straight up. I read 86 pages, something like that. I usually give books 50 pages before I toss it in the pile and say I'm done with this because there are just too many books in the world. Um, what was it though? Was it the writing that you didn't like? Or I liked the writing and I I flipped through the rest of it and I liked the pacing of it and I liked how the author set it up and I thought that she did a good job setting out what she wanted to do I did think that there were tones of where it was clear that she didn't really like Emily Weiss which I don't think is like totally a good journalistic thing to like I shouldn't have been able to tell that I don't think um and I just didn't give a rat's ass about this woman honestly <laughs> I, I didn't. I and like I've I've bought Glossier stuff and I just I've never worked in the business world in my entire career and I have not read a lot of books about people in the business world and like I haven't picked up any books that are about brands necessarily. Um I've said this before on the podcast, like I don't really read a ton of nonfiction and that is one of my goals, but this was not the book that was gonna turn me into doing more of that. Um and I think part of it is because everything that I would ever want to know about the founder of Glossier, I would like to read in an article in the New Yorker and I don't want to read a whole book about it. Um, and I think that if I was in the business world and I was more into branding and I was more into how you launch something and started and, and all of those aspects to it, I never had an internship um, growing up because I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so I just worked at summer camps because having experience with kids on your resume is how you get into grad school and get teaching jobs. So it's just like very foreign to me. And the more I read about it, the more I'm like, this is toxic and gross. And it's a good thing that I didn't get into anything like that because I would have like hated everybody and hated what I was doing. And so in some ways, I guess it was like a little reassuring, but I was like, okay, everybody's a B. I'm good. Like, I don't want to read any more of this. Stepping away from the book itself, Steph, <laughs> you actually are like a regular user of some mm -hmm. of the products. I think if you're open to it, you should shout out the stuff that the people <laughs> should consider. Um, well, you kind of tainted, pun wasn't intended, but it works perfectly, um, the milky... Um, gel cleanser by telling me what your coworkers said that it's like. And now when I wash my face, I'm like, gross. This is gross. 
I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not. Listen, I I haven't purchased any eyebrow product from another company because I just love boy brow so much um, to the point where I've gifted it to my mother before. Um, it's consistent. It does what it needs to do. It's not crazy expensive. So I think it's fantastic. Um, I was annoyed <laughs> in reading the part about bomb.com, which is also another of my faves because yes, it is just overpriced petroleum jelly if we're being completely honest. Um, I bought that for the first time on Black Friday and I got, I think the birthday cake flavor and I put it on and it was like, I was like, this is just like gross Vaseline. I threw it away. <laughs> I threw it away. And I like boy brow and I like the, whatever the vitamin C serum is. Um, the like, what is it called? Something about glow. Oh yeah. It, well, it has kind of like a tacky consistency. I have yes. used that one before. I like that. Um, and I've used it before. I, I didn't the like eye. the bomb.com. Not going to lie about it. I have that in two flavors. I mean, it, it's it's literally just petroleum jelly in a in a cute little packaging, which I mean, that gets me every time is cute packaging, if we're being completely honest. Yes, it's very glittery. Oh, mine doesn't have glitter in it. Oh, the bit It's not tinted. Oh, mine. No, no, the packaging. Oh, well, well yes. Um, I also have um, liquid eyeliner, which is okay. If I'm being completely honest, I like Selena Gomez's company better. Um, their eyeliner is fantastic, liquid eyeliner. Um, but I think that's everything that I use from them. You just reminded me as you were describing some of the products that they were online only for a really long time mm -hmm. and before they made the move to retail stores and now Sephora, which kind of explodes my brain considering it used to be online only. They were doing pop-up shops in a couple of cities and there was like cult-like craze around the pop-up shops. So my sister and I actually went to the one in Miami. My sister was pregnant at the time. We waited in the blistering sun for like an hour and a half to get into this pop-up. Not worth it. I didn't buy a thing. I walked around the <laughs> oh entire space. God. Nothing was intriguing to me. My sister bought like four things. Boy brow, the cloud paint, which is like the um, blush, mm -hmm. the stick blush, and a couple other things. But oh, that just reminded me I have another product, but not not worth mentioning. But like I was, I was, it also felt like anthropological observation like standing in the line mm. to see all the different age groups of people that were there and who was like talking about which things they were going to get and who just got in the line because it seemed like something cool was happening for me as someone who works in marketing seeing how they generated that kind of buzz was fascinating because now that you have like the ability to go into a sephora or an ulta and try everything you are unlikely to buy something online mm -hmm. that you've never seen or touched but they managed to get people so excited that they didn't even care. They just yep. placed the order and hoped for the best. If I had if I had tested out the milky jelly beforehand, no way would I have been like, let's put this all over my face. Right. Right. And I think that um, I've never tested anything in the store. I kind of forgot that they were in Sephora now. But I... I went off of, I was influenced. I was mm -hmm. influenced by a TV writer that I really like who has really nice skin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if it's working for her and it's not going to break the bank, then I'm going to give it a whirl. Um, but yeah, still didn't like the book. Didn't, didn't need to read a whole thing on that. The other thing that, that bothered me and I can't really pinpoint why it bothered me is the constant um, remarking on how she was calling it a tech company. Oh, Yes. And I was like, what? Am I missing something? Like, what the heck? 
the way that you position yourself is 100% the reason you do or don't get venture capital funding. And she knew that if she said this was like a quote, tech enabled beauty company, it would open her up to way more investors. And if she just stayed purely in the consumer space, in my opinion, just because you're e-commerce only does not make you a tech company. That just means Mm -hmm. you sell shit online. But she tried to make it seem like there was going to be some sort of like extra smart app, right? Like extra smart way that it would recommend things to you and say, if you liked this, you might like this. Like now we're so used to that on Amazon and Netflix and all these other websites that make recommendations. But when she launched this, that was not like a guarantee on websites. And I think she smartly knew if she said it was a tech company, she would have more interest from, let's face it, male venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming she's just a B the rest of the book or well, doesn't she, treat people well. You wanna, well, she winds we, up having children and winds up sort of having some married twice or is engaged mm-hmm. once. Ma- yes. I think twice married, married twice. twice moves to California which like seems impossible. She seems like this such- isn't ruining anything for anybody, right? No, this is real life. Oh, I yeah. mean, you can, you yeah, can find I mean, it online. Okay. I'm just checking. Um, She's, she gets sort of removed from her yeah. position. Yeah. She basically <laughs> gets asked to like be a board member and nothing else. And the COO becomes the person who runs the company. So, you know, it's one of those things. This is like such a common startup tale where somebody is like a super creative thinker and they push something into a totally new realm and then it crashes and burns. Like Adam Newman, the founder of WeWork, almost identical trajectory. And that became the show We Crashed on Apple TV, which if you haven't watched is superb. But this is like a very common arc, the burns bright mega superstar, and then it all comes crashing down. But she's still worth a lot of money, right? I'm sure she's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she owns a certain stake in the company, right? Yeah. Well, she filed all the paperwork to create the company and I'm sure that she will always own whether it's patents or certain, you know, shares of the company, but she's not involved in the day to day anymore. That must be so nice to not have to work and just make tons of money. Did that happen because she was preoccupied or did that happen because she was a jerk and people didn't want to work for her anymore? She had, like, didn't have any more vision left. What was the catalyst? I think my interpretation was it was a mix of she moved away from the whole team. Everybody was in New York. She moved to California. She became a mom. That was kind of the number one priority. And then they were going to pursue strategies that she didn't want to pursue. Like, she never wanted to be in Sephora or Alta. She wanted it to be very coveted, hard to get. You could only get it through them. But in order to be financially viable, they had to expand. So I think it was a mix of like she, her priorities changed and also she didn't want to do the things that would make the company sustainable. It read sort of like she took it as far as it, as she could and they needed to bring in new people to have new ideas and kind of keep it going. Yeah. So I would say a mixed bag from the three of us. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm glad I read it. I since I did not even know she was the founder, that was very interesting to kind of put two random pop culture things together. Um, you know, there's other books I could have read in the meantime, <laughs> and I did um, <laughs> because I gave up and. 
I just want to put it out there to people. It's okay to let a book go. I know a lot of people feel shame about the DNF list that did not finish. Can I say that it was only in the last like three years that I finally came to terms with that up, up until then I was forcing myself. If I bought a book, I had to read it. I know. And we have a lot of conversations about it. You had a lot of shame. I'm glad that you came around because there are way too many books to read to spend time on something that you don't like. Yeah. And I think that we are very quick to turn off a TV show or a movie that we don't mm -hmm. like, like mm -hmm. past lives rented that the other night, made it an hour bored out of my skull. So like people are like, you know what? I didn't like that show. I didn't like that book I'm giving, or I didn't like that movie. I'm giving up on it. You can give up on books. It's okay. It's not for everyone. I think though part of it is like from an author's standpoint, I feel like this person put all this effort and time and energy into this project. And so I feel like I have to consume the whole thing to sort of appreciate their work. But you can also do something like I just did where I said I liked how the author organized it and I thought yeah. that she did a good job for what she was setting out to do, but it wasn't for me. And you can just say it wasn't for me. And I think yeah. more people need to do that. And I think that people like my mom and some other people get bogged down in reading it and then they just don't read because they're like, well, I haven't finished this book. And it's like, get rid of it then. Like, you're done. Like, mm -hmm. if that's holding you back from reading, see you later. Like, let's let's get something else going. I also think authors know not everyone is their perfect reader. They're looking for the people who their story resonates with and who's excited about it. And it shouldn't be everyone. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I think the more niche something is, the more relatable it is to a certain group of people. And that's who the authors are hoping for. Like they want the people who are fired up and excited. They don't, I think it would make them feel bad to think that people are slogging through. It's like, yes, move on if it doesn't resonate with you. Well, and they already got my money, so. Also that. Also that. Let's talk about what we're reading now. Who wants to go? I'll go first. Um, I finished a book called Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. Um, it was a book I got influenced on Instagram for. Um, so I had my sister buy it for me for Christmas. It is basically, I would say, like a YA fairy tale. Um, the main protagonist is 17. She's lost both of her parents. She has uh, a not great stepmother and a mediocre stepsister. And she's in love with this boy only to find out that her stepsister is now going to marry him. So she goes to, um, I believe it's the Prince of Hearts or P Prince of Broken Hearts. I can't remember. Um, because in this realm, there are sort of like demigods that live like normal people. So she goes to his um, church or whatever and basically says, I need you to break up this wedding and there's a cost for every, you know, thing that you are asking for. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say it because it's within the first 10 pages. I don't think I'm ruining anything. Um, basically, the cost is that the whole wedding party gets turned to stone and she's like, wait, that's not what I wanted. So instead she... Um, gives herself over to let everyone else turn back to humans. Anyways, fast forwarding a little, it takes many weeks for her to return to human form. And then she goes to this Northland. Apologies, Bingley didn't love the book. Um, it's it's a cute YA fairy tale. There are there's magic and potions and trilogy. I just looked at it. It is. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to read the other two books. It's it's not like groundbreaking, but it was fun and it was a quick read. And I think I needed 
a break from whatever I had been reading beforehand that I can't think of. Just something like lighter and magical. So it was good. Steph was telling me about this book and I feel like it reminds me of that show Once Upon a Time, which Steph actually also turned me on to. So if you like the kind of like modern day fairy tale, the Rumpelstiltskin of it all, it mm-hmm. sounds very similar. Um, so if you liked that show, I'm guessing you will also like this book. There's also no sauce because it's YA. So just saying. I thought there would be, but th- no. Did that take away from it for you? <laughs> I think the problem is that Instagram sometimes, you know, there's like a person who shows like the the five books I loved this year or whatever. And I saw the covers and read like the general um, premise of each one and was like, ooh, got to get this one, got to get this one. And didn't quite know what I was – because I didn't really read the back cover. I just kind of was like, no, so cool. Um, it, it was fine. It was good. Well, I'm reading a very uh, sad emotional book for my class that I'm taking and it's called All My Rage by Saba Tahir and all of her other books are fantasy. This is the only one that isn't and it won the Prince Award which is basically the Newbery for young adult books. Other people that have won it have been like John Green um, and it is about two kids that are seniors in high school that live in the Mojave Desert. Uh, They're both Pakistani. One of them, Sal, is has two parents. One of them um, has health issues and the other one is an alcoholic and they run a motel. And the other is a girl named Noor, spelled N-O-O-R. I've been pronouncing that incorrectly for my entire adult life, but in the book she says it rhymes with lure, so it's Noor. Noor is her family dies in a flood in Pakistan and she lives with her uncle cousin uncle can't remember he owns a liquor store she works there both of these kids become best friends there's like a little bit of romance mixed in neither of them have families that are supportive of them going to college and they are both academically talented And they both are kind of in like bad financial situations and are overcoming a lot of things that don't come to the surface until like the last quarter of the book. It's beautifully written. It changes perspectives between newer Sal and then Sal's mom when she was like getting set up in an arranged marriage in Pakistan before they moved to California it's stunning. I don't have any book stickies in my house right now, and I've been dog-earing the pages because it's that good. I'm reading it for a class that's called Teaching Social Justice Through Young Adult Literature. And before we started the podcast today, I went and bought another one of her books in anticipation of finishing this one today and like being ready to move on to another one by her. And it's a fantasy one? It's fantasy. It's part of a series and it's like rated a 4.52 on Goodreads and it has like 300,000 ratings. So I'm excited. I think it's called The City of Ember and Ashes. Um, I totally forget. I just bought it blindly and was like, don't care. She's this good. The villain, it, well, there's multiple villains, but the teenage villain in this is a girl named Jamie Jensen. And I put on my social media earlier today that the only book villain I can think of that trumps her is Umbridge from Harry Potter. (laughs) And she knocked Nurse Ratchet from 
one flew over the cuckoo's nest down to number three. That's how much of a B this girl is in this book. I wanted to punch her in her throat the whole time. Wow. <laughs> so obviously I'm going to make both of you read it and we're going to do an episode about it and everybody will just have to listen to me talk about it a second time. <laughs> Can't wait. When I have finished it because I still have like 70 pages left. It's so funny. Um, I just finished Panic by Lauren Oliver. We are doing a dedicated episode about Lauren Oliver in a couple of weeks so I'm going to save my thoughts until we discuss it then. But I finished it and I wanted to start immediately this other book which I impulse purchased off of the valentine's day display at belmont books it is a hot pink cover it was just calling to me it's called say you'll be mine by nana kumar i was reading her bio before i started actually reading the book so she's an attorney who had like a passion for romance books this is her debut novel jasmine guillory who i've also talked about a lot on this podcast also an attorney who became a romance writer um this is the story of two young Indian singles who are under extreme pressure from their parents to get engaged. So they decide to get fake engaged. And as we know, everyone sitting here loves loves fake dating. So in this case, fake engaged um, because the male lead wants his parents to back off. And the female lead also has to go be in the wedding party of her like college ex-lover's wedding. And she just like cannot bear the thought of going alone. This all, So I started this yesterday. I'm already on page 192. It's so good. It's so, 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 so good. And the main character is from the same part of Texas as my favorite person on Indian matchmaking, Aparna. For those who don't know, I'm obsessed with Indian matchmaking on Netflix. Stephanie got me a cameo video from Aparna for my birthday. I remember that. <laughs> okay. So this is like reading about Aparna, fictional version. Um it's so good. The banter is so good. I've just reached like a in a hotel forced proximity moment. It's just like all the favorite tropes, but it's so good. And I feel like when you learn that someone spent most of their career doing something else and then later in life they become an author, I just have like even more respect for the fact that they fully transition to a different career. Um, I'm not done yet, but I feel like this would be an amazing movie. I hope that opportunity happens. Um, so again, say you'll be mine. Nina Kumar. I want All My Rage to be a TV series. It cannot be done well in a two-hour movie. It just can't. Um, and I want it to be no-name Pakistani actors that like fall in love in real life. Uh, that's all. That's all I have. <laughs> Mindy Kaling, call me. Let's produce it. Um, if you guys want to follow everything that we talked about today and the books that we are reading now, give us a follow over on Instagram at Plans Are Booked. You can also write to us, planswarebooked at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. And until next time, our plans are booked.